Welcome to Shutter Slam's Photography Tips with your host, photographer Craig Becta. Today's podcast is sponsored by Shutterslam.com. Hey everybody, how you doing? It's Craig Becta, and today we're interviewing Dave Brosha, who lives in PEI currently. And uh, how you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great, Craig. Thanks for having me on. So for those of you who don't know Dave's work, uh, near the end of the call, I'll give you a bunch of links where you can find out more about him. You can follow him on Instagram and Facebook and all that. But uh, it's just amazing. I was just, you know, I'm following you on Instagram, Dave, but I was just looking at your website and it's just amazing just all the different genres that you cover and how much you've been, oh, it's just, you know, the workshops you're doing and how you're published in so many different magazines. And it's just an amazing body of work that you've created. And I just wonder how long have you been doing it, and you did, have you always known that you wanted to be a photographer? <laughs> uh, no, um, I I actually kind of went through university. I had never picked up a camera before. I took an English lit degree, went to work as a telephone technician, um, which has nothing to do with English lit. But uh, no, I photography. I just kind of stumbled upon um, in my mid twenties. I would say uh, I was living up north in in the high Arctic up in Resolute Bay, Nunavut. And um, just, yeah, went up there with a little dinky two megapixel camera and um, caught the bug, I guess. And um, yeah, it just it quickly overtook my life. I mean, I just loved everything about the idea that you can just create, not instantly, but the fact that you can create. And um, that really appealed to me. And as, as you mentioned, with the many, many genres, I, I never got the memo that you, you had to specialize. And I just, I loved everything. I loved everything about photography. And I, it kind of has dictated the way I've worked ever since. Yeah, because I was just looking, I don't know, like I look at it and I think to myself that I'm years and years away from getting to that level. And were you good right off the bat or did it, it did it take a lot of time? Like how much hours did you put in, do you think, till you got to the point where people start saying like, wow, this, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't know if they, I don't know, I don't know if they say that today, Craig, but um, no, I mean, but by no means I didn't consider myself talented for quite, quite a while. I mean, I, I was just that guy with the point and shoot camera, right. That went and snap stuff. I mean, I always thought that I had a little bit of an artistic eye, and um, but I had no technical ability whatsoever. And I, I, it just kind of it evolved. I mean, I've I recently, well, not recently, a couple of years ago, read um, Malcolm Gladwell's, I think it's The Outliers, where they talk about that whole 10,000-hour theory. And you know what? I mean, that, that I, I do believe in the idea of hard work. Um, evolving your talent and if anything I, I don't think I was a naturally born gifted photographer by any means but I I just loved it so much I threw myself into it and put in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours I mean I lived eat breathed photography for so long and I still do I mean my downtime today is still taking pictures of my family and reading photo blogs and Right. Once you're a photo geek, you're a photo geek and you just you immerse yourself in it. And um, the, the I guess the, the quality fact factor definitely emerges over time. Yeah. Like I can tell now that if that's a thing, like when you're first starting out, it might take 100 pictures before you get one good one. 
But it looks like you could probably get there a lot quicker now, just from looking at the images that you're taking. I'm thinking, well, he knows what to look for and he sees it. And, you know, is that true? Are you close? Is it easier for you to get where you want to be now? It's easier in the sense that, I mean, when I go into a situation, whether it be landscape or portrait or wedding, I mean, you, you have a whole bunch of experience going into the moment. So you, you can make choices much more quickly. But on the flip side, I think with the more and more experience you get, the pickier you get with the quality of your work as well. So even back when I was starting out, I might have taken 200 pictures to get that, that one that I was really happy with, or I might have lucked upon that one, one that I was happy with. Today, I find I'm still actually kind of similar to that. I mean, uh, I had a photo shoot yesterday, and I, th- I think I took 400 pictures over the course of two hours. And of those 400, um, even though the quality level of the 400 would be way beyond what I was 10 years ago, I'll still probably only be really happy with five of those images, right? Because just you become pickier over time and you, you become a stronger self-editor. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, I have to agree with that too. And I think that's where I think some people uh, fall into a trap is that they're not good at picking the best images and they show pretty much everything. <laughs> and then so there's no consistency well, where you'll see one image that you're like, wow, and then you'll see the next one and you're like, oh. Absolutely. Like I, I, I strongly preach that um, to be a strong editor is as much of a skill set as being a strong photographer. And it's something that um, doesn't come easy. It takes as much work to be a strong editor as it does to be a strong photographer. I mean, you just got to you, you got to not be afraid of the process, right? You, you got to embrace it and, yeah, just have up your own quality, your, your judgmental eye, I guess, for lack of a better word, over time so that you do become more selective and um, that you are only putting out your best stuff. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, too, because you know when you go through maybe a couple hundred images and you only got one, and then somebody says, is there any more that came out? And you're just like, uh, not really. <laughs> but like, I almost find that taking stills is harder than video because you're trying to capture that one split-second moment, and you miss it a lot of the times. Oh, absolutely. Like I, I can't count how many times I've done the photo shoot, and you come back and you look at your images afterwards, and there might be something you absolutely love about an image, but then there's the next image in the batch that has everything else going for it except for that thing in the first image. And you wish you could just combine those best aspects of the two images together to create that perfect image, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, like I, I always say that having, I mean, when you see, you see something like National Geographic and you see those absolutely stunning images and you look and you're like, I'll never capture an image like that. You you can. I think everyone has the potential to do that, but it takes those hundreds of thousands of frames to kind of narrow down upon those really few select rare images that um, I think stand the test of time. I mean, and it's it's a process that I love. I mean, I've taken, I'm sure, over a million images in my career. Um, actually, my Lightroom catalog, I think, is up to about 1.4 million. And that's a lot of images. But of those 1.4 million, I mean, there still might only be a hundred to me that really I find are kind of meaningful in that in that quality aspect. 
So I want to talk about gear in a second, but I also want to kind of talk about how you went from being, say, a hobbyist to taking this full time and how that transition happened. Because I know a lot of people do it on the side and they really enjoy it and they say, I wish I could go full time or even make some part time income. So how did that sort of come about for you? Was it learning about how to run a business? Was that part of the whole process? Yeah, I mean, it was... um I think the business was born out of the passion for sure. I mean, I never set out from day one to say, hey, I want to do this for a living. Uh, I just, I picked up the camera. I, I mean, as I mentioned, up in the Arctic, started taking the images. I had this job. And then it, it was this funny thing where just out of the blue one day, I had a magazine contact me for one of the images they saw of mine online. And they wanted to publish it. And that actually didn't work out. It was... Uh, the magazine was Scientific American, and I sent them my image, and it was, I think, a, a 300 kilobyte file taken on a two megapixel camera, and they just kind of laughed and said, no, we can't use this. Um, but it definitely sparked the interest for me to to want to kind of bring this a little bit further. And soon enough after that, I did get an image published, got a little bit of money from it. And for me, it was just a, a really cool thing to be able to take a little bit of money from photography and reinvest it in gear. That was all I wanted to do. Like if this could pay for my hobby, that's fantastic. Um, but where it kind of switched for me is just a um, couple years of that evolved into, I started kind of following other photographers and seeing how amazing of a career it could be. Well, just in the sense that I, I thought they had the coolest job in the world. And I was like, you know what? Wouldn't it be amazing if someday I could do something like that? And that's why I think I kind of threw myself into it. And then the business just kind of, I mean, I had no real idea. I had a bit of an entrepreneurial sense to me, I guess. Um, just put myself out there. Um, I, I started as a landscape photographer, but to me, the quickest path to becoming a photographer and terms of a business was to, sh to photograph people. So even though I resisted that for a long time, I, I embraced it so that I could do photography for a bit more of a living. Started part-time, still had my other job for the first two or three years, but my photography business kind of grew organically, word of mouth, little by little over those two or three years. And I finally took the plunge, I think in 2008 or 2009 to do this full-time. Yeah, well, it's just every time I see your images on Instagram, I'm always like, that Dave Brocha. Because <laughs> I mean, everything you post, it's like a daily amazing image. And I'm just like, oh, my, you know, because it's just, it's just, if you, well, let's talk about your Instagram and your Facebook, and then we'll talk about it again sure. at the end so that they make sure they get it. But it's uh, Dave Brocha, B R O S H A dot com, right? That's, That's your website. Correct. And then your Instagram. How would they find you on Instagram? Uh, I think it, just the handle is Dave Brosha, all one word. And then on Facebook, it's uh, Dave Brosha Photography. Yeah, it's just uh, every time I look at the images, I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, you know, everything from the wedding stuff to the portraits to the northern lights to, I mean, everything is just, it's really at another level. And I was looking at all the different publications. Maybe just mention a couple of the big ones that you've been in. Oh, yeah, gosh. Um, let me think don't have the list in front of me, but um, I mean, a lot of the big, big newspapers here in Canada, I guess, like Globe and Mail and National Post, um, Maclean's, um, Canadian Geographic, uh, 
yeah, and then just stuff around the world. I was lucky enough to be a, a winner in um, one of the astronomy contests a few years ago. And just even from that, got my, my work, I think, in 30 or 40 magazines around the world. So, no, it, very, very fortunate. And any chance that I have when people are interested enough in the images to publish them, and it's always appreciated. So how long do you think is a realistic expectation? I think some people get a camera and they say, I'm pretty good at this, and then they give up too soon. Like, how long would you say that it really takes before people start to really notice? It's a strange thing. Like, everyone's path is different, right? Um, Like, for me, I would say it honestly took me about five to six years before I really started making inroads in terms of having a business, and feeling comfortable enough behind the camera to actually put myself out there to offer up services. But on the flip side, I mean, there's people that I've seen even in one and a half years. I've got some friends in the photo world uh, or even just people who have come to my workshops a year and a half ago that I see making great strides. I think it just depends on the person, the circumstance, um, how much they're willing to throw themselves in it. I mean, I, I firmly believe even though you hear a lot of people say that, okay, the photography market's dead, um, you can't make a living at it the way you could 20 years ago, um, I, I disagree with that. I think if anyone is willing to throw themselves out there, be a little bit savvy on the marketing side, work their butts off, um, that they, you can do it. You can make it, right? It's not easy. Um, by any means, and there, I can't count how many Friday nights I, I'd be editing pictures or um, reading a tutorial rather than going out with friends. Kind of had a bit of a loser lifestyle for a bit, but I, I was quite okay with that. Um, but it just, yeah, it depends on the individual and what you want to put into it. Yeah, I guess there is no real formula. I guess you can't say that it'll take six years or it could take one. It really, yeah, it depends on the person and, yeah, it's circumstances. But it's really the, I think the art of business is being able to take a photograph and turn that into money. And I think you sort of have to learn how to do that, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's funny, one of my friends is David Dushman, and he always uses the term hustle, right? And it's so true. Like, if, if you want to succeed at photography or art or whatever, you're hustling. You're, you're always thinking ahead to, okay, um, like, you're putting your stuff out there. You're very proud of it, but you want to be able to do it ongoing, right? So in order to do it, to be able to continue to do it, you have to make that income, so you, you got to just, you got to think outside the box. You got to look at um, many different ways to kind of bring in income in order to, to survive at this. Um, personally, like I, I never do a one kind of stream approach to my photography business in the sense that I only have this one thing that I sell, uh, sell or market. It's always 20 different things, right? You got these little tiny streams and, and together they make up. The, the fact that you can pay your bills and feed your children. Yeah, I mean, multiple streams of income make sense. I noticed that you have some tutorials, an ebook, you do weddings, you do corporate, you do portraits, you do workshops. So, yeah, you really have to diversify if you really want to make a certain amount of income in some cases. If, and if one stream dries up, then you have the other one. So, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and, and not, not everyone. I mean, there's people that run 
wildly successful portrait studios, for example, and they stick to that one thing. But even within that one genre, for example, they would probably have four or five or six different ways to make that revenue. Um, me, the, the many, many different streams is more from the fact that just uh, <laughs> I can't focus on one thing. I just, I, I don't know, I just have such a curiosity in trying different things. And that, that's more been my approach rather than a, a set, okay, I'm going to do these 25 different things to, to make money. Yeah, I noticed you had a workshop here and I don't know why I didn't hear about it. And then I saw it on Instagram and I was like, he's in Halifax doing a workshop and I don't know how I didn't even hear about it. Yeah, good question. I, I normally just throw stuff up on Facebook, and if it sells out or fills up right away, I don't really promo it too much beyond that. Um, but I'll, I'll make sure you're on that list next time, Craig. Yeah, okay, yeah. So let's talk about the gear that you're using currently, because a lot of people think it's all about the gear, but really the gear is only just a small part of it, I think. What, what's your oh, like okay. your main camera and lens, say? Um, I'm, uh, I use the Canon 5D Mark III. I've had that camera now for, well, since it came out. I can't remember how many years, um, but I've always loved it. I think it's a phenomenal camera, and um, even with other camera bodies upgrading um, lately, I, I still think it's a stellar camera, and I, I, if I, it's all I had to use for the next couple of years, I'd still be happy. Um, for lenses, uh, I'll give a shout-out to Sigma. Um, I'm a sponsored by Sigma, so just put that out there as a disclaimer. A disclaimer. Um, but I, I'm totally in love with their art lenses. Um, I've used Canon lenses in the past, but I've switched over to Sigma now, and a fantastic body of lenses with their art line. And But to your point about it not being about the gear, I, I'm 100% about that. I uh, It's the biggest change for me in, my, in the quality of my work came when I really paid attention to light rather than gear. I, I think every photographer, when they first start out, you kind of go a bit geeky on the gear, right? You see somebody else's image and they post up what they shot it with and you're like, oh, if I only had that, that lens or that set of studio lights, I, I'll start taking great shots. And I mean, I was victim to that line of thought for a long time, but no, it's, I mean, as you well know, right? It's when you pay attention to technique and light and really improving stuff, that aspect of photography, that your um, overall game, I guess, get gets better. But, I mean, I, I do have my gear. I love what I do use. And, um, yeah, any, any specific gear questions, Craig? Well, I have a Canon 5D Mark III, and my photos don't look like yours. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I also have a Nikon D810, which, you know, it is a little bit better, I could say. Slightly better. And I'm not endorsed by Nikon. Yeah, no, nice. I've heard, <laughs> but, I've, heard, uh, I've, heard, I've heard great things about it. I've got the Sigma Art that I use on the Nikon. And, uh, I, you know, there's a bit of an edge to it because it has a little bit more dynamic range than the 5D Mark III, I find. And it is a little bit sharper. But other than that, uh, no, the, the 5D Mark III, it is a great camera. What about lighting when you're in the studio for portraits? What kind of uh, lighting and modifiers do you like to use? Uh, in studio, the, the brand that I've always used, mainly because it's just the first thing that I've bought and I started investing a lot of money in the different modifiers, is Allen Chrome. 
Um, oh, I've always been happy with it. I think um, they're, they're cheaper. Uh, cheaper studio lights are a great way for somebody getting into um, studio lighting to get into the game. I mean, you can buy a two light set for a pretty reasonable cost, um, but they've got some really great higher end lights as well. And for modifiers, I, I mean, I have a mix of beauty dishes, strip lights, soft boxes, umbrellas. Um, the ones that I gravitate to the most from a studio perspective is the Elenchrome Rotolux softbox and the Palsy Buff PLM Umbrella softbox hybrid. Um, it's an 86 inch beast, um, way cheaper than buying the giant Elenchrome um, softbox. And you know what? The quality of light that comes through there is just beautiful. Um, but I, I I should mention too, though, that though I started out in lighting more on the studio side than the off-camera flash side, I would say my work over the last four or five years has evolved way more towards using um, speed lights and using off-camera flash. Uh, my, my true passion in portraiture is environmental portraiture, and I find myself in really weird locations a lot of the time, a lot of things that involve hiking. and. Um, just the portability of it has really spoken to me. And so I find it's kind of my go-to setup now is using Canon 600EX flashes with Lastalite um, easy box soft boxes in the field for the most part. Yeah, I saw that uh, you did a wedding, I think, was it last year in Mexico? Some of those images were incredible, like in the water and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm not sure where that was in Mexico, where that was. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that was the, the Mayan Riviera, and some of those images were in around the cenotes, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah, I remember seeing those and thinking, wow, that's incredible. Well, thanks, Greg. But, uh, okay, I had a few more questions, and then we could wrap things up. Yeah, for sure. I guess you can't really sum up your style, because you do do landscape, you do weddings, you do portraits, so really, you just you cover the whole gamut. Someone was sort of starting out, and they were feeling discouraged. Is there one tip? I know it's hard to give somebody one tip, but maybe one piece of inspiration that you could give them that maybe you encountered some hardships and this one thing sort of changed things for you? One of the biggest pieces of advice I ever got, and I never take credit for this piece of advice, but I pass it on to absolutely everybody that I can, um, came from the great American photographer, Joel Grimes. Um, and he preached to me the notion, I met him a number of years ago, I think five or six years ago, down in the United States, um, the idea of shooting for yourself and doing it consistently. There's a lot of people that get in, throw themselves into the business of photography, but they lose their passion very quickly because there's a lot of baggage that comes along with running a photography business, right? You're shooting for clients, you're editing, you get tired, you, you, sometimes it becomes repetitive. Um, but he preached the notion of even if it's only once or twice a month, put it in your calendar, block it off, that you are going to shoot for yourself on these two days or three days or as much as you can. Um, everyone kind of makes the excuse that I'm too busy, I can never fit stuff in, but it, it, it's funny when you actually go ahead and look a month out, look to next month, look to, to March right now and say, I'm going to put these two days in the calendar and I'm going to do something for myself. And what that doing something for yourself looks like can change depending on what genre of photography you do. Um, but for me, that might mean a creative portrait session. 
right? Where nobody's paying me, I'm not paying them. You're just collaborating with somebody. You're going out and shooting an idea. And it's your time to learn and grow and take risks as a photographer and become better. Um, If you are a landscape person, to just make that commitment that, hey, you know what? The second Sunday of next month, I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to drive that hour down the road, and I'm going to try doing sunrise at that place that I've always thought about doing. And then you just stick to that. If you stick to that and do that twice a month, three times a month, I try to even get four or five times a month shooting for myself, um, you will find your work getting better. But not only that, the images that come out of that are my main marketing. It's been the calling card. It's been the creative stuff that I've shot for myself that has gotten me opportunity and has gotten me other clients way more so than my client work. I'm very proud of my client work, but it's been the other stuff that has really kind of transformed my career. Yeah, that's a great tip. I'm a big uh, Joel Grimes fan, too. Oh, he's fantastic. It's funny how he has this three-light setup, and he calls it the Joel Grimes look. Have you heard him say that? Yeah. Yeah, it's the same. You know, I was just saying, it takes a lot of confidence, really, because obviously he didn't invent it, the three-light setup. Oh, exactly. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I was joking, because I was saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to... I'm going to use a similar setup and call it the Craig Beck look. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think you're onto something there, Craig. And so, and this is a true story. So I just made that joke while we were doing a shoot and uh, my videographer, Josh, I don't know if you've ever been to Henry's, but he works at Henry's. Yeah. He was working at Henry's the next day and someone called and said, what kind of a gear do I need to get the Craig Beck look? <laughs> it was hilarious because I didn't actually say it in a video or anything like that. It was just a joke that we had made. And uh, anyway, it's sort of it's sort of because of Joel Grimes kind of inspired that that idea that you know it's kind of weird. But that's funny. But I mean, there's actually a point in there too, Craig, and that's the fact that that's smart marketing. I mean, you could just throw that out there as a joke, but. That's, I mean, that's how Joel Grimes kind of became famous, right? Like he did landscape and commercial photography for years, but he stumbled upon this three light look, wasn't the first one to do it, but he just kind of branded himself to that. And through that, he became this world known photographer. And I just think it's awesome. Yeah. And then if you do it, it looks like you're copying him. (laughs) <laughs> because he's so well known for it right? well maybe you do a three light setup with um, like pixie dust or something you just gotta throw that extra little hook and then it becomes yours yeah maybe a four light setup a four light I like it the, be- <laughs> the, be- the Becta yeah yeah but, but on the cheap though maybe with speed lights or something so people can afford it <laughs> I like it so, okay, so let's just go over again where people can find you again, just in case they missed it the first time. So it's davebrosha.com. So it's Dave, D-A-V-E-B-R-O-S-H-A.com, davebrosha.com. And then on Facebook, it's, what is it? Uh, Dave Brosha Photography. And I've also got a, it's, it, so Dave Brosha Photography is my page. I've also got a, a group on Facebook too called just Dave Brosha Workshops. It's, I mean, ignore the word workshops. It's more of just an educational group, and there's close to 3,000 photographers in there, and I think it's one of the best little communities online. So strongly encourage anyone to sign up for that or request to join um, if you want to find inspiration from a lot of different photographers. And then your Instagram? And then, uh, yeah, Instagram, just um, 
yeah, my last name, Debrosha, just one word together. And yeah, I promise to only spam you once a day, maybe twice. That's not bad. So what about your next workshops? Do you have anything? Well, I guess you're all over the place. I noticed you're, you're up north. You're all over the world, actually. Yeah, it's a busy year coming up. Um, I'm up in the Northwest Territories in the next month for two uh, Northern Lights slash astrophotography workshops with uh, my buddy Paul Ziska. And then after that, I teach a series of uh, black and white portrait workshops across Canada. I've already done three or four in this series, but my next dates are in Ottawa and in Fredericton before heading up north to Yukon and Yellowknife. And what else? I'm, I'm up in the Yukon for a three or four day landscape workshop in May, I believe. And then a couple of events this summer. And then the next really big one is um, Greenland in September. Um, again, with Paul Ziska. And yeah, no, just a great range of stuff. And I have so much fun doing them. Yeah, I think I saw something in Brazil even. Yeah, we just we had added Brazil to the list as well, and I think we have um so we haven't announced this yet, but uh, 2017 it's looking like uh, there's going to be an African one as well. Well, I just want to say thanks so much, Dave, and I suggest that everyone go check out his website because it's really just incredible and inspiring stuff. And I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Craig. I really appreciate it. Today's podcast is sponsored by Shutterslam.com. Thanks so much for listening to Shutter Slam's Photography Tips with your host, photographer Craig Bechta. We'll see you next time.